So today, uh, leading up to the appearance of Lord Krishna on uh, Monday, Janamashtami, and we started yesterday, we're going to be hearing a combination of Krishna book and Krishna conscious philosophy, <clears throat> which Krishna book actually is a, co a combination of the 10th canto of the Bhagavatam and Srila Prabhupada's own commentary and realizations woven in there. So we're going to read some of that and then we'll have some other comments thrown in for good measure. So, um, in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says in the fourth chapter, text number nine, Jamma karma chamedivyam evam yoviti tatvataha yaktva deham punar janma naiti mamiti sorjuna. That one who understands Janma, Krishna's appearance, which is just now coming in a few days, and his transcendental activities, Janma, janma Karma, birth and activities, Shame Divyam, Krishna says, My activities and my birth are Divyam, transcendental. Evam Yoviti Tattvataha. Certainly, when one understands these things uh, factually or in truth, in other words, when one gets revelation from the Srimad Bhagavatam and from the Acharyas and the spiritual master, then one can actually gain some transcendental understanding of these spiritual uh, <coughs> revelation of Krishna, the nature of Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Uh, then, Chaktwa Deham Purnar Janma. Uh, Deha means a body. Purnar Janma means another birth. Uh, so, uh, one does not. Chaktwa Deham Purnar Janma Naiti. He doesn't take another birth. He doesn't appear again in this material world. But he goes to Krishna in the spiritual world. Naiti mam eti sorjana. So this is Krishna's declaration. So we are, of course, we should be, and hopefully every one of us, uh, thrilled at the prospect of not taking birth again in the material body, uh, but instead returning to our natural spiritual position at Krishna's lotus feet in the spiritual world. Now that just the thought of being able to become free from the cycle of birth and death and go back home back to Godhead, that is like, oh boy, I'm so excited. Just like our uh, teenage grandchildren, when they have a thought of some kind of sense gratification. They become very excited. Oh, we're going to go swimming or we're going to get ice cream or whatever it is. Um, they become very enlivened and excited because they're kids. Yeah. So we should be like that. Oh, we get to go back to the Godhead. Yeah. I want to go. <laughs> no more birth, death, old age, and disease. Where do I sign up? 
So um, that is a result of hearing about Krishna and gaining some realization. Of course, one has to uh, obviously follow the practice of bhakti, the standard practices, as have been given by the spiritual master and uh, that process of bhakti explained in Bhagavad Gita and given by the acharyas and the spiritual masters and taught to us by Srila Prabhupada. Um, then, uh, both by the practice of the sadhana, and then, as Brahma Samhita says, by a performance of meritorious deeds and theistic conduct, along with these practices of bhakti, that's at the, very, the last five verses that Brahma Samhita explains that, then we can achieve that goal, along with hearing and chanting and serving and studying the philosophy ourselves personally and hearing it from other devotees, then the whole package um, oh, has the net effect of taking one back home, back to Godhead. And that's where we want to be. Sometimes we <coughs> run into different devotee friends, old devotee friends, and they're, you know, the they're concerning about, you know, well, their residence and their retirement and their income and so many things. But um, all of that is taken care of when you go back home, back to Godhead. The material arrangements um, are perhaps necessities that we have in the material world, but the real thing is to invest in the future. Not in the stock market or retirement funds or some kind of material investment, but to invest our life energy and our consciousness in serving Krishna, learning to love Krishna, hearing and chanting his glories, associating with devotees, taking prasadam, having kirtan. We, that's how we invest. In other words, we give of ourselves, our time and our energy to Krishna instead of for some other business. So that is the real investment and a wise investor, an intelligent investor wants to invest their capital in such a way that they get the best payoff possible. So what more valuable do we have than our time and our energy? That is our capital. That is our asset that we have. That's the most important thing we have. Um, and that, when we invest that uh, at the lotus feet of Krishna, then the rewards are unimaginable. And we have some idea <clears throat> by hearing from the Shastra without going back to Godhead in the spiritual world, but what that actual experience is, is so far beyond what we can conceive, because it's eternal and it's spiritual. So we have some idea, and we can understand it intellectually, but on the experiential level of being in the spiritual world, engaging in Krishna's service there with all the devotees, on the eternal platform, no bad weather, no debt, no 
old age, disease, no deterioration. No, so many of the problems that the material world is like problem loca. It is the world of problems. But in the Vaikuntha, which means free from all that, from anxiety and problems, completely free, it's just not there. We just had an experience of what it's like when you're struggling because here it's so hot. So we went to San Diego. It's not hot. The weather's so nice that you forget. There's no struggle. It's not a problem. You don't have to get in the shade or worry about you know, the heat and everything like that. Like as soon as we got back, so oh boy, we're not in San Diego anymore. We're back in Tucson because it's 102 degrees. Uh, and when that's gone, it's gone. You just put it from your mind because there's no difficulty. The difficulty is gone. Of course, in the material world, when we have some difficulty and then we get some relief from the difficulty, we think that's happiness. I remember one time Urgeswat was talking about, uh, uh, we were in Boston back in the 70s, late 70s, and uh, we were going, we actually took a ride down to Commonwealth Pier where Srila Prabhupada first touched his foot to American soil uh, in 1965, and it was cool in the morning, and we all had hoodies, you know, so you put the hood on, and your head's all, you know, everybody has a shaved head, and head, it's cold, you know, so you put the hoodie on, ah, relief, right? So happiness doesn't mean just relief from the misery. In the material world, you know, you get some misery, and when the misery stops, like, ah, <laughs> that's happiness, but that's not real happiness. Real happiness is something else. You know, it's that story about uh, somebody was, uh, guy was pulling the boat. That's what he does for a living. You know, have a rope on the boat. It's going through the canal and you pull the boat uh, with the rope over the shoulder. And uh, so this, the shore, the surface he's walking on is all like filled with rocks and everything like that. And so the man's praying to God, oh God, Please place pillows on my path. But what kind of prayer is that? You want pillows on the path, but you're still pulling the boat. <laughs> if you had any brains, you say, you know, let me be free from pulling the boat. <laughs> but no, just put some pillows there. So when I pull them, I won't be so hard on my feet. Well, that's a fool. Like that. If you're going to pray to God, he can give anything you want. Then you pray for uh, eternal life engaged in his service at his lotus feet. So that prayer is Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. So if you're going to pray, you're going to pray to God, you go for it. Just like when Bali Maharaj was uh, there with Vamanadev and he told him, so, okay, I offer you charity. I give you anything you want. I'm the ruler of the universe. So, Please ask for a benediction. I'll give you anything you want in charity. He says, okay. And Bamande was not very tall. He was short. He said, I will take um, three steps of land according to the measure of my foot, my, my pace, my footsteps. And Bali was like, well, come on. I mean, I can give you a whole planet. And you're a little short guy. You just want to take three steps? And that's all you want? 
For me? I mean, I can give you a whole kingdom. I can give you gold, jewels, riches, villages, servants, everything. And you're asking for that. You know, come on. Ask for some more. And then Avaman and Dave said, well, one should not be greedy. And he said, for one uh, who desires more and more, um, the, even if you give him everything, he still won't be satisfied. Even if you give him the whole universe, and this way he's indicating what's fixing to happen. You give him the whole universe, and for one whose senses are not controlled, who's not satisfied with himself, which is a subject that we find in Bhagavad Gita, the self-realized person is satisfied within themselves, and they don't require some external titillation to get their happiness and their satisfaction. So, because of that, I'll just take three, like I said, three steps according to my pace. I was like, well, okay, suit yourself. <laughs> Go ahead. And then with his first two steps, he expanded himself because he's God, and he covered the entire universe. And Bali was astonished at that. He said, okay, I took two steps. I've now taken the entire universe. But you promised me three steps. So I only, he only gave two. What about my third step? I mean, come on, you promised. you got to give now. Because he's a chatri, he offers his word. And he has to fulfill it. I'm like, uh-oh, he took everything. And he said, my Lord, kindly place your third lotus footstep on my head. Because he was a devotee, he surrendered everything. Atmani Vedanam. He's the personification of surrendering everything. <clears throat> so in this way, Krishna consciousness is so wonderful that just by understanding Krishna's birth and his activities and engaging in bhakti, then we can go back to Godhead. As Krishna later says in the 18th chapter, text 55, bhakti amam abhijananti yavanyas yas chasmi tatvataha tatomam tatomam tatvatogyatva vishate tadanantanam So, if you really want to understand Krishna, and you have to understand Krishna to go back to Godhead and not take a birth, that's what Krishna says earlier, then what is the what do you have to do? Bhakti Amam Abhijananti. Actually, this is the method. There's no second method for understanding Krishna. Only by bhakti can I be understood as I am. Tatvataha, again, the same word is used, in truth. Evam Yoviti Tatvataha. And here, Yavanyas Chasmi Tatvaha, Tatvataha, Tatomam Tatvata. Then you can understand Krishna by bhakti and go back to God. So let's read a little bit from Krishna book. Um, so yesterday we were hearing about how Kamsa was getting ready to kill Devaki and then Vasudev pacified him and you know, told him it won't look so good for you if you kill your sister on the marriage day. You know, it's not going to help your reputation, so you might want to defer. So he did defer, and then Narada Muni came along and was talking to Kamsa, and um, 
telling about, you know, Krishna's going to come. And so Kamsa got even more paranoid, and so he threw him in jail. Vasudev and Devaki. And then while they were in jail, they began to have children. And every child Kamsa would take and kill the child. Because he was a demon. And then he was advised, well, you know, maybe the eighth child, who knows, maybe another child. Better not take any chances, just kill them all. Wow. Okay. Because he had bad association and bad advice. He's a bad man surrounded by bad advisors. Does that sound like someone we know in contemporary society? <laughs> or in, in the modern case, he doesn't listen to the advisors at all. He, what he does is worse. <laughs> no, one can, no one can control. So, when Devaki became pregnant for the seventh time, a plenary expansion of Krishna known as Ananta appeared within her womb. Devaki was overwhelmed both with jubilation and lamentation. She was joyful for she could understand that Lord Vishnu had taken shelter within her womb. But at the same time she was sorry that as soon as her child would come out, Kamsa would kill him. At that time the Supreme Personality of Godhead Krishna, being compassionate upon the fearful condition of the Jadus, due to the atrocities committed by Kamsa, ordered the appearance of his Yoga Maya or his internal potency. Krishna is the lord of the universe, but he is especially the lord of the Yadu dynasty, Yadu Nath. This Yoga Maya is the principal potency of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. In the Vedas, it is stated that the Lord, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, has multipotencies. Who knows the verse? Parasha Shaktir Vididhai Vishruyati Sobhavaki Jnana all the different potencies are acting externally and internally, and Yogamaya is the chief of all the potencies. He ordered the appearance of Yogamaya in the land of Brajabhumi in Vrindavan, which is always decorated and full with beautiful cows. In Vrindavan, Rohini, one of the wives of Vasudeva, Vasudev, was residing at the house of King Nanda and Queen Yashoda. Not only Rohini, but many others in the Yadu dynasty were scattered all over the country due to their fear of the atrocities of Kamsa. Some of them were even living in the caves of the mountains. The Lord thus informed Yogamaya, under the imprisonment of Kamsa are Devaki and Vasudev, and at the present moment my plenary expansion Shesha is within the womb of Devaki. You can arrange the transfer of Shesha from the womb of Devaki to the womb of Rohini. After this arrangement, I am personally going to appear in the womb of Devaki with my full potencies. Then I shall appear as the son of Devaki and Vasudev. And you shall appear as the daughter of Nanda and Yashoda and Vrindavan. Since you will appear as my contemporary sister, people within the world will worship you with all kinds of valuable presentations, incense, candles, flowers, and offerings of sacrifice. You shall quickly satisfy their desires for sense gratification. People who are after materialistic affection will worship you under the different forms of your expansions, which will be named Durga, Bhadrakali, Vijaya, Vaishnavi, Kumula, Chandika, Krishna, Madhavi, Kanyaka, Maya, Narayani, Ishani, Sharada, and Ambika. So, Lord Balaram was in the womb of Devaki. 
and Yogamaya transferred him to the womb of Rohini. Therefore, he's called Rohini Sutta because he appeared as the son of Rohini. And then, so what happened? She was pregnant, and now there's something must have happened. There was a miscarriage. No one could understand what had happened. Uh, so thus, Balaram, whose appearance day we just celebrated on Saturday, uh, he appeared as the son of Rohini, uh, who was also a wife of Vasudev. Vasudev had more than one wife. So, um, it is stated in the Upanishads, Nayam Atma Bala Labhya. The purport is that one cannot attain the Supreme or any form of self-realization without being sufficiently favored by Balaram. And who, who did Balaram appear as more recently? Lord Nityananda. Balaram hoilo nitai. Balaram became nitai. Sachi suta hoilo jay. Yeah, Bajendra Nandana jay. Thank you. Sachi suta hoilo jay. So the Brajendra Nandana, the son of the king of Braj Krishna, appeared as the son of Sachi. Sachi suta hoilo jay. Balaram hoilo nitai. And Lord Balaram became Nityananda. So he is the. Hang on. Hang on. So he is the original spiritual master Nityananda, the manifestation of Balaram, who's the first expansion of Krishna. So hopefully we heard all about that on Saturday. Uh, we heard Dravida give a little talk about that. It's very nice. One must have the spiritual strength which is infused by Balaram or Sankarshan. Therefore, Lord Nityananda Prabhu, who is also, who's the, also the incarnation of Balaram, is the original spiritual master. And the spiritual master is the representation, a representative of Balaram, the supreme personality of Godhead, who supplies spiritual strength. In the 11th canto of the Bhagavatam, it says that the Lord appears in two ways, internally as the super soul and externally as the acharya, the spiritual master. So with the help of both of these uh, facets of the Lord, one can make spiritual advancement. Both of the mercy of the super soul, who directs one toward the spiritual master, and by the mercy of the spiritual master, who gives one Krishna. Krishna gives you the spiritual master, the spiritual master gives you Krishna. There's a nice yin-yang circular arrangement that's perfect in spiritual balance and harmony. So, then that happened. After this arrangement, the Supreme Personality of Godhead Krishna, who is always ready to place his full potencies in his unalloyed devotees, enter as the Lord of the whole creation within the mind of Vasudev. So Krishna is already within the heart, but he directly, personally, with all his potencies and energies, entered into the mind of Vasudev. It is understood in this connection that Krishna, first of all, situated himself in the unalloyed heart of Devaki. He was not put into the womb of Devaki by seminal discharge, as is the ordinary biological 
method of humans and other animals. The Supreme Personality of Godhead, by his inconceivable potency, can appear in any way. It is not necessary for him to appear in the ordinary way by seminal injection within the womb of a woman. So here the miracle of Krishna's appearance is explained. That it wasn't like an ordinary conditioned soul takes his birth through seminal discharge. No. The spirit soul, they've come down in the, in the form of rains to the ground. Then they're absorbed and they grow as grains. And then human beings, men, eat the grains. And then through the seminal discharge, the spirit soul is put into the womb of a woman. It's actually the scientific way that the living entities are go from one place to another and then take shelter within the womb of a mother and get a material body. This is what really happens. Not some foolish, speculative, modern nonsense explanation which they don't have a clue. Actually, they don't know. They don't have a clue. They're clueless. They're in ignorance. So they speculate. Oh, these chemicals combine with those chemicals and when those chemicals combine, then suddenly, somehow or other, it becomes conscious. There were some amino acids in the primordial soup, and it was struck by lightning. And from that, life arose. <laughs> so if you believe that theory, I have a bridge in New York I will sell you for a very reasonable price. It's a very nice bridge. <clears throat> when Vasudev was sustaining the form of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Within his heart he appeared just like the glowing sun, whose shining rays are always unbearable and scorching to the common man. The form of the Lord, situated in the pure unalloyed heart of Vasudeva, is not different from the original form of Krishna. The appearance of the form of Krishna anywhere, and specifically within the heart, is called Dham. Dham does not only refer to Krishna's form, but his name, his form, his quality, and his paraphernalia. Everything becomes manifest simultaneously. Thus, the eternal form of the Supreme Personality of Godhead with full potencies was transferred from the mind or the heart of Vasudev to the mind or heart of Devaki. Exactly as the setting sun's rays are transferred to the full moon rising in the east. If you've ever seen when the sun is going down and the moon is coming up, it is very beautiful. And the rays of the sun are transferred to the rising moon. That's an analogy, a very beautiful and poetic cosmic analogy for how Krishna was transferred from the mind of Vasudev to the mind or heart of Devaki. So in this way, Devaki became the residence of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. She became the residence of the Absolute Truth, but because she was within the prison house of Kamsa, she looked just like a suppressed fire or like misused education. When a fire is covered by the walls of a pot or kept in a jug, the illuminating rays of the fire cannot be very much appreciated. Similarly, misused knowledge, which does not benefit the people in general, is not very much appreciated. So when Devaki was kept within the prison walls of Kamsa's palace, no one could see her transcendental beauty, which resulted from her conceiving the Supreme Personality of Godhead. 
that Kamsa saw. It was like, uh-oh. I've never seen her look like this. Um, he concluded that the Supreme Personality of Godhead had taken shelter in her womb. There's one poetic line from a song that says, the smile in your eyes has never been so sweet before. So she was looking really fabulous, really effulgent. And he understood, uh-oh, this is it. This is Krishna. This is what I was afraid of. This is what I've been fear of and fear of for so long, and now it's happening. He could distinctly understand that there was something wonderful within the womb of Devaki. In this way, he became perturbed. He was sure that the Supreme Personality of Godhead would kill him in the future, and that he had now come. And he was right. He had come, and he was going to kill him. He was going to finish his ignominious existence as a demon. He thought about killing Devaki, but then again, he thought, well, if I kill her, I mean, you know, it'll just ruin me, because everyone will say, look at this rascal killed his sister in the prison when she's pregnant. If I kill Devaki at the present moment, Vishnu will enforce his supreme will more vehemently. To kill Devaki just now would be a most abominable act. No one desires to kill his reputation, even in an awkward situation. If I kill Devaki now, my reputation will be spoiled. She is a woman and she is under my shelter. She's pregnant. And if I kill her, immediately all my reputation and results of pious activities and duration of life will be finished. A person who is too cruel, even in this lifetime, is as good as dead. No one likes him during his lifetime, and after his death, people curse him. Generally, when someone dies, everyone praises him. But those who knew, say, he was a rat. <laughs> he was such a rat. Good riddance. <laughs> right? So then, not long after that, Krishna made his appearance. At midnight, in the jail, no one knew. Everyone was asleep or not present. And at that time, in all directions, east, west, north, south, everywhere, there was an atmosphere of peace and prosperity. There were auspicious stars visible in the sky, and on the surface in all towns and villages or pasturing grounds, and within the minds of everyone there were signs of good fortune. The rivers were flowing full of waters and lakes were beautifully decorated with lotus flowers. The forests were full with beautiful birds and peacocks. All the birds within the forest began to sing with sweet voices and the peacocks began to dance with their consorts. This reminds us of the uh, arrival of the Krishna Balaram deities in Vrindavan. Um, when the, the deities were their forms were carved out of marble in Jaipur and then they were taken by truck overnight to Vrindavan and that night at two o'clock in the morning the devotees in the Vrindavan temple suddenly heard this tremendous sound of peacocks and simultaneously mysteriously 
all the peacocks in Vrindavan, at one time, they all began to make their calls very loudly. No one had ever heard anything like that before. It was like this tremendous awakening of peacock calling because Krishna and Balaram came on the truck. And there were some Muslim workers who were unloading the deities. And even though they were Muslims, it is they were like in great anxiety. Be very careful! Do not hurt Krishna! And they were all chanting Krishna's name. Here we have to unload Krishna and unload Balaram. Be very careful, carry Krishna very nicely. They were all extremely Krishna conscious. <laughs> Which is a, <coughs> a miraculous thing for the Muslims. <laughs> to say the least. So that is the pastime of the appearance of Krishna and Balaram. Uh, deities in Vrindavan in the mid-1970s. The denizens of the Gandharvan Kenara planets began to sing, and the denizens of Sinaloka and the planets of the Chadanas began to offer prayers in the service of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. In the heavenly planets, the angels, along with their wives, accompanied by the Apsaras, began to dance. The great sages and the demigods, being pleased, began to shower flowers. At the seashore there was the sound of mild waves, and above the sea there were clouds in the sky, which began to thunder very pleasingly. You know, there's a certain type of thunder where the sky's overcast, and it's dark, and there's that blackish sham color of the clouds, and then off in the distance there's some thunder. Not like right over your head, like, uh-oh. But off in the distance, that rumble, it's just... It's a wonderful thing, cosmic phenomena on the earth. When things were adjusted like this, Lord Vishnu, who is residing within the heart of every living entity, appeared in the darkness of night as the Supreme Personality of Godhead, before Devaki, who also appeared as one of the demigoddesses. The appearance of Lord Vishnu at that time could be compared with the full moon in the sky as it rises on the eastern horizon. The objection may be raised that since Lord Krishna appeared on the eighth day of the waning moon, there could be no rising of the full moon. Ashtami. So we just had the Purnim on Saturday, the Balaram Purnim, and now the moon is getting smaller. That's called the waning moon. The moon has a 28-day cycle. So it's now, so on the full moon, it's going down. It will go down to in 15 days from Saturday to the Amavasya, the dark moon, or the new moon. And then from that new moon, in the following 15 days, it again waxes and it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger until you got the full moon. Again, the Purnim, the 15th day. <coughs> An answer to this, it may be said that Lord Krishna appeared in the dynasty which is in the hierarchy of the moon, called the Somavangsa. There's the Suryavangsa, the dynasty of the sun and the Somavangsa, the dynasty of the moon. Lord Ramachandra appeared in the Suryavangsa and Lord Krishna appeared in the Somavangsa, those dynasties that are descended from both the sun and the moon. <clears throat> Although the moon was incomplete on that night because of the Lord's appearance 
and the dynasty wherein the moon is in himself the original person, the moon was in an overjoyous condition. So by the grace of Krishna, he could appear just as a full moon because he was in ecstasy about the appearance of Krishna. In an astronomical treatise by the name Kamanikya, the constellations at the time of the appearance of Lord Krishna are very nicely described. It is confirmed that the child born at that auspicious moment was the supreme Brahman, or the absolute truth. Vasudeva saw that wonderful child born as a baby, with four hands holding conch shell, club, disc, and lotus flower, decorated with the mark of Srivatsa, wearing the jeweled necklace of the Kaustubhasom, dressed in yellow silk, appearing dazzling like a bright blackish cloud, wearing a helmet bedecked with the Vaidurya stone, valuable bracelets, earrings, and similar ornaments, other ornaments, all over his body, and an abundance of hair on his head. <laughs> Due to the extraordinary features of the child, Vasudeva was struck with wonder. How could a newly born child be so decorated? With the helmet, the garland, the dhoti, the jewels. It's like, whoa, what kind of baby is this? <laughs> I saw that before. He could therefore understand that Lord Krishna had now appeared and he became overpowered by the occasion. Vasudeva very humbly wondered that all he, although he was an ordinary living entity conditioned by material nature and was externally imprisoned by Kamsa, the all-pervading personality of Godhead, Vishnu or Krishna, was appearing as a child in his home, exactly in his original position. No earthly child is born with four hands decorated with ornaments and nice clothing, fully equipped with all the signs of the Supreme <coughs> Personality of Godhead. Over and over again, Vasudeva glanced at his child, and he considered how to celebrate this auspicious moment. So that's the appearance of Krishna. Janma karma chamei divyam evam yoviti tatvataha So understanding this truthfully takes us away from this uh, lamentable condition of being conditioned and takes us back home, back to Godhead. Um, but not everyone sees this or understands this. The devotees understand because their eyes are treated with the salve of love. Like sometimes someone has a disease and they can't see properly. And there's a special medicinal salve that's put on the eyes. And then it has some effect, some medicinal effect, and then one can see clearly again. So in the same way, premanjana charita bhakti valochanena sandaksadaiva hridayeshu valokayanti. The devotee's eyes are smeared with the salve of love of Godhead. Sandaksadaiva hridayeshu valokayanti. They always see Krishna within their heart. Sadaiva hridayeshu means always. Sada means always. Kirtaniya sada hridi. Always chanting. Yamsham Asundaram Achincha Gunasvarupam Govindamadi Purusham Tamaham Bajami. And that form they see within their hearts is Shama Sundar, his beautiful 
threefold bending form playing the flute. Yam Shan Masundaram Achintya Guna with his inconceivable qualities in his amazing form. Guna Swarupam Govindamadi Purusham Tamaham Vajami Thus Lord Brahma says, I worship the primeval Lord Govinda. Okay, so we'll stop here. Did you save your question? Well, that's not but specifically mentioned. But Balaram and Krishna are the supreme personality of Godhead. Yeah. So she got supreme personality of Godhead twice, mm-hmm. appearing. Uh, but that, but Balaram was transferred out of her womb. Uh, so we can't speculate like that because that's not mentioned in the Shastra and the Acharyas don't specifically tell us that. But one thing I can tell you is that <coughs> Balaram, the primary expansion of Krishna, when Lord Ramachandra appeared, he appeared as Lakshman. Sita Ram Lakshman Hanuman. Lakshman, that's Balaram. But as Lakshman, he was the younger brother. And so as the younger brother, he had to carry out the orders of Lord Ramachandra. So he said, next time we come, I'm coming as the older brother. You were the older brother last time. You got to go first. Like kids, you know, I get to, next time I get to ride in the front seat. <laughs> you always get to ride in the front seat because you're older. So, uh, kind of like that in their rasa, their relationship. That was enough for one Leela. Next time I want to be the older brother, Balaram. And then you have to listen to me. So he appeared first. Yeah. I'm, I'm not trying to, I was just trying to ask. Yeah. Ask yeah. yeah. No, we, can, we can't say something like that because we haven't been given that. But we have been given that Lord, Lord Shesha, Sankarshan, he said, okay, next time I'm going to be the big brother. You were the big brother last time, I'm going to be the big brother this time. Because, you know, enough of that following your orders all the time. Now I'm going to be the big brother. You got to listen to me. <laughs> so God is like that. He has inconceivable pastimes. Any other question, comment? Well, there's always backstories, and they're sometimes given in other places or revealed by the Acharyas. But Yogamaya did herself take birth from the womb of Yashoda, and then Krishna took birth from the womb of Devaki, and then Vasudev, as we're going to hear in subsequent classes, took the child, Krishna, from the prison house to Vrindavan and Everybody fell asleep after the birth of Yogamaya, and he exchanged the two, and he took Yogamaya back with him to the prison and left Krishna in the care of Yashoda. So when everybody thought that Yashoda had a boy, and Kamsa saw that Devaki had a girl, 
And then there's a whole pastime of him dealing with her. Because <laughs> he tried to kill her too, but he was not successful. <clears throat> Anyone else? Hi. Hare Krishna, Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai. Jai.